Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Recover with Carly podcast. Today is such a special day because I'm sitting down with the beautiful, glorious, inspiring, hilarious Tony Lodge. Hello. You- oh, Hello. I don't know. I can't come back from You're that. Like, Sorry, what? <laughs> <laughs> you are all of those things. And I am so honored to be sitting here today to talk to you. Um, and to pick your brain and to laugh with you and to share your story and journey and recent achievements with my audience. So welcome, Tony. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited. Of course. We've been for those listening, Tony and I have been recently started following each other. I've been following Tony for a while, um, because I'm obsessed with her podcast, the Tony and Ryan podcast. If you don't listen to the Tony and Ryan podcast, and I'm going to plug it here, you need to be listening to the Tony and Ryan podcast because I am not even kidding. Every single time, every episode, I am like hollering. I am belly laughing. I am crying. Seriously, it's the funniest podcast ever. And it's like the perfect length, I feel like. Thank you. Thank you. That is a very... um like we are very conscious of that of it being like half an hour ish Um, people are like that's about my commute and I was like well studies have shown that the average commute is about half an hour (laughs) yes yes and I love it I'm always like oh it's perfect I'm driving from point a to point b I have 27 minutes the podcast is 29 so we, yeah, I, I love it so much and my partner is always like what are you laughing at I'm like oh no I'm just listening to the Tony and Ryan podcast. (laughs) I'm just talking to my friends, leave me alone. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Exactly. And it's funny because I will, I'll like respond to like you and Ryan are talking and I'll like be in my car and I'm like chipping in. I'm like, oh my God, I'm that same way. Or, oh my God, I agree with Tony or I agree with Ryan on this. So I feel like it is like this little triangle um, conversation that I just love so much, brings me so much joy. Oh, thank you. Well, I'm glad that you feel like you can chip in anytime. I'm sorry that we don't respond directly to you, but that's <laughs> but I'm okay. here to respond to you today, though. That's exactly. why that's why we jumped on. Make exactly. up for lost time. Yes, yes. Um, so Tony, before we get too far into our conversation today, do you mind just telling the listeners a little bit about yourself for those who um are just now learning about you? For sure. Um, so my name's Tony. I live in Melbourne, Australia. Um, I have a podcast called Tony and Ryan, which is exclusive to Spotify. Um, if you'd like to have a listen and check it out. Um, we also, the two of us post like videos on TikTok and Instagram reels. So you might've seen some of our like things you can say in the bedroom and also at the supermarket and Mm -hmm. things like that. Um, I've also recently written a book, um, which is called I Don't Need Therapy and Otherwise I've Told Myself, which I understand the irony of that title as I'm talking to a therapist and probably (laughs) there's a few clinicians listening as well. Um, I promise I redeem myself. Uh, Everybody does need therapy and we'll get to that soon. Um, But really, I've just, um, I love making people laugh. And I'm so lucky that this is like my job. I It's been like a long road to getting to this point and I love it so much. Yes. I'm, and I'm so excited to talk more about the book. And I just want to say as a therapist, I hear that all the time. So you're definitely not alone in this, this idea <laughs> of like, 
I didn't think I needed therapy or I don't need therapy. And I'm like, everyone needs therapy. It does Mm -hmm. not matter what your experience has been throughout life. Like just having an unbiased person that you can meet with every once in a while to just check in with, it's like, we could all use it. And so you're not alone in that because I've been there too. Even before I was a therapist, I was like, I don't need therapy. Like, you know, there's, there's stigma definitely associated with therapy still. So, Mm -hmm. um, we'll talk all about that. Um, also, I also want to talk briefly just about like your what for life. Oh yes. Oh, because you're a surfer girl also, right? So yeah. So we have a mutual friend, Liz Elizabeth, curvy surfer oh, girl who, Oh my God. Curvy surfer girl does not know who I am. I follow her. At, like, I love her so much. She doesn't know who I am. I, no, I, think I can't she does say know mutual friend. No, no, no. I think she does because I mentioned you when I was with her and we should have recorded like a cute little video and like sent it to you. Um, but we, I mentioned you, I was like, do you know, Tony Lodge? And she was like, I think that name sounds familiar. And then I like, showed I'll take her- it. Yes. I'll take it. <laughs> yeah. So she definitely knows who you are. And we talked about you and, um, yeah, she's amazing. And I love this new like era that you're in the wet for life era. Do you want to explain it to listeners? Cause people who don't listen to the podcast may be a little bit confused and what yeah. we mean by that. Um, so at the beginning of this year, I decided that I wasn't going to do any new year's resolutions because I find them really like personally really toxic mm-hmm. because I hold myself to that standard. And it's like setting myself up for failure for the whole year. Um, and instead I decided that I was just going to slay every day. Like I was going to wake up in the morning and decide what I could do that day because I find, and there's probably actual science behind this. I'm not the therapist. So I'm just going to make this up as I go along, Mm -hmm. but I felt like thinking about every time I thought, oh, I want to move my body a bit more, or I want to eat a little bit healthier or drink more water or read more. I would think about what that looked like over a month or a week or a year. And I found that so overwhelming. And I was like, oh, I've done this today. But if I miss today, then the whole year is ruined. Mm -hmm. So instead, I decided to start looking at things day to day, like, oh, how much can I read today? How much water can I drink today? And I started realizing that the happiest that I felt was when I was in the water. Mm-hmm. whether that was surfing or swimming or going to the beach or even having a long bath or going to like a sensory deprivation tank, like, you know, those big pods with the salt water in them and stuff. Yes. Um, so I was thinking about all these ways that I felt really happy and all of them linked back to me being in the water and being wet. Mm-hmm. And I coined this hashtag in our podcast and on my Instagram that I was hashtag wet for life because I wanted to be wet for life, like forever, but also it made me wet for life and it just made me so happy and so excited. And um, yeah, so I've done, I've started this thing where I try and get wet as much as I can because that's when I feel happiest. And I love that so much. I love that there's like two meanings to it. It's like the literal wetness, like your body is what you're in the water. And then like the, you know, that wet, like I'm happy. I'm excited. Like excited. Yes. Yes. I love that. I, I didn't think about it 
that way I thought about it as in like the literal term of being in the water. Um, and as a therapist, like I definitely agree in terms of the new year resolution. Um, Mm -hmm. we see this a lot with, I see this a lot with clients about two months into the new year, they're feeling a lot of shame and they're feeling a lot of guilt and they're miserable. Yeah. Because they set this resolution that wasn't sustainable or wasn't like they couldn't, they couldn't do it every day. And Mm -hmm. because they set themselves to this almost unrealistic standard, they found themselves almost like quote unquote failing and Mm -hmm they felt this intense, like shame and guilt. And they're like, why can this person do this? But I can't. Yep. And a lot of working through that is understanding, like, sometimes we have to just go day by day. And yep. sometimes we have to remove like society's expectations of what our new year's resolution should look like. Mm-hmm. Um, cause that used to be me. Like new year's would come around when I was still really heavy in diet culture, new year's would come around and I'm like, all right, what's this year's diet. Like what is everyone doing this year and how am I going to be able to hold myself accountable to like stick through the whole year? Mm -hmm. And it was usually like a month, two months in, and I'm already like, fuck this. This is terrible. (laughs) So miserable. Yeah. So I love that. I love that you kind of came up with this idea of like slay every day. And that kind of turned into this realization that happiness for you came from like being in the water and it wasn't about, you know, how your body was changing or how your body was looking or how many calories you were burning. It was solely just like, what can I do to feel happy? And I think that's the healthiest thing mentally, Mm -hmm. emotionally, physically that you could ever do for yourself. Mm, And I think like most people, I have never, ever judged movement based on how it makes me feel emotionally it was always like oh if I've worked myself so hard that I'm in pain then that's what I need to do or if I still felt like and this is super triggering thing to say probably but like it was like if I got into bed at night and I was a bit hungry that Mm -hmm. was like an accomplishment because I'd be like oh my god I've like worked harder than Mm -hmm. do you know what I mean definitely Um, so I think that, yeah, for the first time considering like, oh, that actually makes me really happy and I know that that's going to put me in a great mood for the rest of the day. Um, that felt really powerful to me, like a real personal like conquer, yes. uh, like that thing in my brain where I was like, no, I'm going to do this because I like it, not because I hate myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so like w- where and when did you see that transition for yourself? Like going from that place of, feeling like accomplished because you were slightly hungry when you went to bed, which I relate to that. So many people relate to that. I think that that's one of the dangers of like intermittent fasting is Mm -hmm. this concept of like forcing yourself to stay hungry or ignoring your hunger cues and then feeling accomplished when you could go like the whole duration of your fast without eating. Um, That's a whole nother topic. We could talk about Gwyneth Paltrow and her toxic (laughs) messaging every single day, but where and when do you feel like you saw that shift for yourself? I'd say that, um, probably getting on top of 
my general anxiety and starting to really listen to, like you just mentioned, hunger cues, but my emotional cues Mm. and not when I was feeling anxious or feeling depressed or feeling overwhelmed instead of like pushing that away because I didn't want to feel it I was like okay well I'm obviously feeling this a certain way and I think that getting really attuned with my emotions has allowed me to kind of understand more about like what I want to put time into Mm -hmm. um I'm also probably at the moment like the busiest schedule wise I've ever been Mm -hmm. and I think that I'm just probably getting a little bit older and I'm kind of like, no, I only want to put time into things that I actually walk away from and go, that was a great investment of my hour or day or lunchtime or whatever. And so I'd say that it's definitely in the last six, three to six months that I've gone, okay, I know that the things that I want to do, I want to feel healthy rather than feel happy, feel healthy rather Mm -hmm. than just like do it because I feel like I should or. Definitely. I think that's such an important like shift to make. And it's mm-hmm. not an easy shift either because we so live, hard. it's so hard. We just live in a society that like for a lot of us, for most of us, like that has been a huge measure of, of our worth, like mm-hmm. how, what diet we're on, how, what the size of our body looks like, how much we weigh, like how much we eat, what we eat, like the diet we're on like all of those things are productivity like all of those things have played such a big role in the way that we all view our our worth mm-hmm. and I think that it's you know so important that we figure out how to kind of take back that control and say like no I determine this I determine what makes me worthy I determine what makes me happy day to day and starting to prioritize mental health is one of the best things that we can do for ourselves. And I think that that's a hard thing to do when that's not how you were raised, right? Like I wasn't raised talking about mental health. Like my parents saw when I was sad, but they weren't like, Hey, like, where's this coming from? Or how are you Mm -hmm. feeling? Or it wasn't anything deep. Mm. And so there was a lot. They didn't grow up with that either. Mm -hmm. Like it's, it's not in that generation's nature to have felt that way, what, 20 years ago, like we were growing up or whatever. Um, so it's it's hard because you go, oh, well, they didn't say that to me, but they didn't know either. And it's kind of like, well, if they weren't saying it to you, no one was saying it to them. Mm-hmm. And so then when you consider, like, personally, I know for me that, like, if I think about my mental health, and how it has like changed and varied and gone through ebbs and flows like through my life. And I think about when I was younger and I go, oh, my parents just didn't get it. And I'm like, imagine how they were feeling as well. Mm -hmm. And no one ever thought to ask them because no one their age and no one was looking after them in that way. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So who do you have a person or, you know, like a group of people who were that motivator for you within the last like three to six months that helped you kind of make that like transition? I feel like it was just me. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that I just got to a point where I knew that I needed like, you know, when you just get to that point, you go, something needs to change because I'm not enjoying what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. And like, life's too short for me to sit here and be miserable. Mm -hmm. Um, And I know that it's, it's 
been like years and years in the making for me to be able to get to this point. But I feel like in the last three to six months, I've probably felt really happy and very fulfilled by my job and my personal Mm -hmm. life and those kinds of things, which I feel all play into each other. Mm -hmm. And I almost kind of looked at it and I was like, the last thing, the last piece of my puzzle is probably finding um, that thing that I can do that just makes me happy and I can't do anything else at the same time. Mm-hmm. A bit like like just before I mentioned, I've probably never been busier schedule-wise. I was like, okay, I need to find something where I can fully relax and not think about work and not think about what I've got got on or what I'm doing tomorrow. And I feel like the body movement side of it where I go, okay, well, I'm not at my computer. I'm out of the house or, you know, I'm doing Pilates on the floor in the lounge room or whatever movement choice it is. Um, That's when I was like, okay, I know that I need something where I can just zone out and not think about work. Mm -hmm. Um, So it was maybe bred from necessity as well, a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, But going back to what you were saying about like the, the body image thing and it being like a really tough, world to exist in at the moment especially you know with social media and we see the the impacts that that has on people's like self-worth and body image and the way that they perceive themselves is like warped by what you see from other people and all of those things like existing on the internet as a not super thin person is really difficult Mm -hmm. um and there's not one person that would be listening at the moment you as well like not one person doesn't know what that feels like. And then, you know, you post things and you need them, you want them to go well because you go, oh, I put heaps of effort into this thing and my job is, you know, like I'm my own business card for being mm-hmm. funny and trying to promote my work, like whether it's the podcast or personally or my book or whatever. And all of a sudden there's just all these people who probably haven't watched the video, have no idea who you are, and they're just saying awful things, like just awful shitty things from shitty fucking people you know Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and I think I realized I needed to just compartmentalize that part of my job and not equate that with my self-worth that was really Mm -hmm. difficult too Mm -hmm. definitely yeah having any sort of like presence online it kind of sets set you up to be in this position where people are going to give you unsolicited advice all the time. And Mm -hmm. this can even happen in real life, like with, you know, like parents and grandparents and friends and people at school, like there's always going to be people who feel the need to provide quote unquote advice Mm -hmm. and, or just mean comments and saying like, you know, like just, terrible things to strangers on the internet. And one thing that I always tell, remind myself of, and always tell my clients is like, we have to remember that those people are projecting and Mm -hmm. that has almost like what they're saying has very little to do with me and like you, and actually so much to do with them and what they're experiencing internally. And I think when I, remind myself of that it's easier to read that and be like okay this actually isn't about me like no. this comment is solely something that this person is struggling with internally and mm-hmm. i feel like i can like almost have a sense of compassion of like i'm really sorry that they're going through this and they're feeling the need to like project that onto 
me or strangers online. Not that it makes it any better, but I think it's easier for me to cope with yeah, the comments exactly. when I frame it that way. Yeah, I I totally agree. And sometimes it's it's hard to get past that when you go, well, why am I the one that has to be the bigger person? Mm-hmm. Why am I the one that has to read that and go, you're having a bad day. It's got nothing to do with me. Um, but it's that, what's that saying? Like, um, like swallowing poison and hoping that it kills the other person. Like exactly, mm-hmm. it actually makes my day better for me to just brush that off and go, you know what? I hope you have a great day um, mm-hmm. because I have a great life mm-hmm. and, you know, I don't actually need to worry about that, but it is, it isn't easy. I think like it's easy to say, not easy to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just feel so bad for anybody copying that kind of shit because it sucks. And on a soft day, if I'm having a soft day and I see something like that, it's, it's really difficult. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. And I think that, yeah, I had experienced like that recently where I was just having like a bad body image, like couple of days mm-hmm. and I couldn't tell you like exactly why, besides that I'm just human and I have these days. Yeah. Um, and I went to like cycling class or something and I was leaving and someone yelled like something incredibly like you're a fat bitch or something out their car window. Like yeah. I was literally just walking through the parking lot to my just car. Just existing. Exactly. In and the I had world. Just had, I went to spin because I, I like knew it would make me feel better. And it was the safe space for me. And I was leaving there like, okay, I'm feeling I'm feeling a little bit better and a little bit more positive. And then this man just yells this out his truck window. And usually that's a comment where I would be like, fuck you. Like, I don't, you know, like it wouldn't affect me, but because I was already kind of in this headspace, I got in my car and I just sobbed. Like I just broke down and I was like, why, why am I so upset by this? Um, but I think that it just goes to show, like, it doesn't matter and for those listening too, who are, who are navigating like confidence and self-acceptance and all of that, understanding that there are going to be days where it feels really hard. And absolutely, I remember feeling like I was failing when I had hard days. Like I was like, okay, obviously it's not working or something's not lining up um, because I don't feel positive about myself all the time, 24 seven. And I always tell people, I'm like, that is not realistic. Like you cannot expect yourself to feel good all the time. And it's okay to have days where you feel like shit. It's more so about how you treat yourself, how you talk to yourself, how you get through those hard days Mm -hmm. rather than avoiding like having the hard days. Or assuming that no one has those hard days. Yeah. Like, and I think that's another thing where I go, I know that I can handle it, but I don't want people to think that I can handle it all the time. Mm-hmm. Cause mm-hmm. sometimes you see it and you just go, fuck you, who cares? Yeah, exactly. Then sometimes you see it and you go, oh, it's I, really maybe I feel that myself at the mm-hmm. moment. And so mm-hmm. it's like, it's harder to see things that you kind of think might be true. Um, yeah, no. And it's, it's, it's such a minefield. So yeah, to anybody that's trying to navigate that or figure it out, I'm still trying to figure it out. And, Mm -hmm. you know, millions of people see me online and it, it gets easier, but there are still days when it isn't easy. Yes. Yeah. And I think that making it easier can be just like accepting that it's not going to be easy all the time. Like just coming to terms with like, okay, it's okay 
that today feels hard. I'm not failing. I'm like not falling behind in the progress that I've made. It just means that today is today you saw something and you mm-hmm. feel a little more triggered and you don't have the energy to navigate it the way you did yesterday and that is totally okay yeah totally okay mm-hmm. plus I also think the people you surround yourself with too if we're if we're talking about social media I think like the people you engage with online is so important too like I think the communities that you a lot like that you that you surround yourself with the messaging is so important. Mm -hmm. Um, because I think if you're taking in information that you're trying to unlearn, it's going to be really hard to unlearn that because like subconsciously and even consciously you're still taking in this messaging. Um, and it's going to be hard for your brain to, to do that rewire if, if you're still taking in the old messaging. So definitely one thing I always tell people, right like first thing is like, look at who you follow. Like, are you on social media? And if you are like, who are you following and what messaging are you taking in? Because that makes a huge difference in the way that you speak to yourself and the way you Mm -hmm. view yourself and other people. So that's another, I think, big one as well. Yeah. I'm a big fan of the mute button on Instagram. Mm -hmm. Like if I'm feeling like really triggered by something in particular at at the time and, and, you know, maybe that person is my friend or someone that I really like following. Um, but at the time I'm just like, I can't really handle that. Like people mm-hmm. can't see when you mute. So if you don't want to start a fight with a friend or, mm-hmm. you know, whatever the case may be, you're, you're supporting someone's business or something and you just think you need a bit of a break. Like, I think that's a really valuable way of just like honoring those feelings and going, I just need a break for a week or the next couple of days while I'm feeling a bit vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Um, and just, yeah, I think reading, yeah, your emotional cues on what you need, because it's actually okay to be selfish yeah. when you need to be. Like, yeah. I think as well, most people consider their like Instagram time, their downtime. Mm-hmm. do you really want to spend your downtime on the couch with your partner or on the couch with your dog or parents or whatever after work or after school do you really want to spend that feeling like shit I mm-hmm. don't Mm-mm. like yeah. so yeah don't Definitely. put that straight into your own body mm-hmm. by choice if you don't have to yeah and I've I've mentioned this like metaphor a lot. So, um, I always tell people I'm like my partner who's in art, he studies art and all of this stuff. And so I always tell people, I'm like, imagine your social media, especially Instagram, because TikTok's a little bit harder to like curate, but imagine Instagram is like an art gallery and you're the curator. Like you are mm-hmm. the person who gets to choose what art is shown in your gallery yeah. And that's a really empowering feeling to be like, okay, this art doesn't necessarily align with me right now. So I'm going to mute it or unfollow it. Or this, this art is maybe something I would have related to five years ago, but I've kind of moved out of this phase. So I'm going to unfollow this person or, oh, this person is definitely like the message that I'm really wanting to take in. And I feel inspired by this person. So they're going to get space in my art gallery. And I always feel like that is such a fun way to look at it. Cause you kind of get to pick and choose and mute and unfollow and, you know, remove comments and block people. It's like, you have the ability to do all of that. And it's not mm-hmm. selfish at all to make those decisions for yourself. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. It's a great so metaphor. Fun. Yes. So fun. Um, so before we get into a little bit about the book, I 
we've talked about what for life movement, mental health, all these things. Do you mind briefly just sharing like what your journey with your body has been like, kind of how you got to where you're at today in terms of just like finding movement that feels good for you and unlearning some old maybe behaviors or habits or thoughts that you may have had in the past? What a hard question to like, it's such a, it's really confronting. I think thinking about like all of the ways that I felt about myself over Mm -hmm. the years and um, even just getting older and your body naturally changes because the way that you process things and, you know, lose or gain weight or what, whatever the case may be, like your body just changes so much as you get older. Mm-hmm. Um, and also in the past few years, like going through COVID, mm-hmm. um, which for anybody that doesn't know, like in Melbourne, Australia, like I'm pretty sure we had the most lockdown consecutive lockdown days in the world mm-hmm. um so we kind of went into a lockdown for six weeks and we came out six months later mm-hmm. and um that was really hard because I didn't want to move my body I didn't want to do anything and it was such a short period of time where my body changed so much because of what I was able mentally to handle Mm -hmm. and what like physically I could go and do because we weren't allowed out of the house. So how are you going to really keep up with your emotional needs and physical needs as well? Um, Mm -hmm. I'd say that I've had a really negative relationship with my body for most of my life. Mm -hmm. Um, The classic, like, you know, listening to my mum talk about her body and um, listening to you know, reading magazines that all of them were like, I mean, I'm, I'm 30 this year. So for anybody that's like the same similar kind of age as, as us or like me is Mm -hmm. probably remembering what like Cleo magazine and girlfriend magazine and things like that looked like when we were growing up and what we were fed. And I think I just have so much internalized fat phobia Mm -hmm. against myself because I'm like, oh, I don't like if other people love how they look, that's great. But I hate myself. And it's just been such a tough thing to try and overcome. Mm-hmm. And a bit like you were saying before, I still have days where I wish that I could change what I look like or change the way that I felt or whatever. But I'd say that the the what I've gone through to get to here, a bit like what I was mentioning before, I think that I feel so fulfilled by so many parts of my life that I love and accept how I am because Mm -hmm. this is my body and it's like the vehicle that I use to do all the great stuff I do. Mm -hmm. And if I wasn't who I am and if I hadn't gone through what I've gone through, I I wouldn't be at this point in my life. I'd probably be a really different person. I maybe Mm -hmm. wouldn't have faced some things that I've faced or um, felt some things that I felt or, you know, dealt with some things that I've dealt with in a certain way because of who I am and all the certain parts of your personality kind of create that person. Mm-hmm. And I think that I love where I'm at so much that I go, well, if I'm going to love where I'm at, I have to love all of it mm-hmm. and not just have to love it, but get to like, I'm a, I'm a great person and I'm really kind and there there's just so much more to me than my body and I have to remind myself that a lot mm-hmm. um but I feel like I'm it's I'm not perfect I, I know that I'm not and I know that I still use language towards myself that 
is is horrible um but something really valuable it's very cliche but something really valuable that I remind myself of a lot is like would I talk to my friends this way like would I would I talk to my niece this way would I talk to my sister this way and I try and remind myself that I'm my own friend first so why Mm -hmm. would I do that yeah yeah and I think that's so powerful and something that is similar to what I do and what I talk to a lot of my clients about is like this inner child work, this idea of like imagining the young version of yourself and what she needed back Mm -hmm. then. Like what type of person did the young version of you need? What message did she need to hear? And how can I provide that for her now? Mm -hmm. Because at the end of the day, when we speak negatively about ourselves, we are really talking to that younger version of us that is inside of us. And so thinking about it in that way, you can kind of provide yourself with more grace and and kinder words of like, I would never say this to an eight-year-old little girl who is struggling with her body image. Like I would Mm -hmm. tell her she's beautiful and she's amazing and she's going to become this beautiful, amazing person. And, And So why can't I like say that to myself now? And so Mm -hmm. kind of putting myself into that headspace of imagining the younger version of me is so therapeutic. It makes me like, I have like goosebumps because I'm like literally imagining my little version of me Mm -hmm. (laughs) and like hugging her. And I'm like, I love you. And I'm so sorry that I said mean things to you at any point or other people said mean things to you, but look where we're at, look where we've gotten. And I hope you're proud of me. I find myself like saying that to the young version of me a lot. And I've, I've had a therapist do that exercise with me Mm -hmm. and say like, what would little Tony feel about how you are and how you speak to yourself and what you've achieved? And I think as well, like, so I, I lost my mom. She passed away when I was 19 Mm -hmm. and I kind of, and she was quite young. Like, so she was, she was really sick with, um, with a brain tumor Mm -hmm. and she was only like mid fifties. So really, really young. And I think as well, I'm just kind of at the point where I'm like, life is actually too short for me to worry about my tummy showing in my jeans. Yep. Mm -hmm. Like there is just so much more that I could worry myself with or, Mm -hmm. you know, just like sit down and enjoy. And I think just, yeah, being more mindful of, of what I put into my body, how I treat it, but also understanding that like, it's, you know, you only live once and I want to enjoy the time that I have here, you know? Mm-hmm, definitely. Uh, one thing that I found that I did a lot growing up because I was like this chubby little girl who I was very loud. I'm still very loud, but humor for me was a big thing that I used to kind of cope, but also to hide or kind yeah. of mask like the insecurities that I was feeling. Um, and you're a comedian, you're, you are hilarious. You're so funny. And I'm curious, like, if that's something that you feel like you also relate to, or is that something that came kind of later in life for you? Um, absolutely exactly the same chubby little Tony would, um, be self-deprecating before somebody else could say something nasty. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, um, and it's really hard as a comedian and I, It is the most difficult thing because everybody's knee-jerk reaction, especially in Australia, like is to be so self-deprecating. That is mm-hmm. the first reaction. Like if somebody says, 
oh, you're so funny or, oh, you're so great at that thing. You go, oh, no, like I'm not. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it's it's like a very Australian thing. I know that people all over the world do it, but it's a very Australian thing. Mm -hmm. And it's, I think being in, and I'm not, I'm not a stand-up comedian or anything, but I think in comedy, because that is so prevalent, then immediately when people compliment you or say that they like what you're doing, you immediately go, oh, but somebody else is doing it so much better. Mm -hmm. Trying to unlearn making fun of myself just so that other people don't is a really weird thing. And it was almost like, I wanted to say something and just kind of like get it out of the way. Mm-hmm. And then I realized I was saying awful things to myself because I was like, well, it's no worse than what anybody else is thinking. And I was yeah. like, well, they're not because they're probably too busy thinking about themselves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but the the comedy as a as a coping mechanism is I, I do that a lot, mm-hmm. especially probably less about my body now. Um, but a lot about with my mum, like coping with grief from my mum mm-hmm. passing away. Um, that's like I, I'm super into dark comedy. For anybody mm-hmm. that's listened to my podcast, like I, it's it's almost like it's a way of kind of bringing her up and talking about her because a way that somebody else would say, oh, um, my mum just texted me before and blah, blah, blah. I was like, I don't have any casual way of bringing her up. And mm-hmm. so if somebody goes, oh, my mum texted and then I go, oh, well, must be nice, like my mum's dead. And then yeah. like, you know, because I feel like that kind of breaks the ice and it lets me talk mm-hmm. about her and and whatever. And in the same way that somebody else might go like, oh, like I look so bad today or whatever. I'm like, oh, like I, I don't want to. It's like you kind of make a joke to try and make the other person feel comfortable. And then I'm like, mm-hmm. well, no, maybe you need to think about what you're saying and who's listening, mm-hmm. um, whether it's me or little ears or you know whoever um so I think yeah comedy as a coping mechanism is like my number one thing um but I try to apply it to things that I can't change like Mm -hmm. you know like dealing with the grief of my mum rather than things that like I'm trying not to take the piss out of myself as much Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um because I don't think it's healthy for me to do that and Mm -hmm. I don't need to yeah you know exactly, exactly. Yeah. yeah i think that there's like a definitely there can be a healthy amount of humor that's used and we talked about this before we started recording but like as a therapist i always tell my clients like if you need to use humor to cope with something that you've experienced in the past like i will be right there laughing with you like mm-hmm. let's laugh let like, like let's laugh about it but let's also talk about it. Like, like, let's get to the bottom of, of it and process it. Um, and I think that you made a really good point in terms of like, not using humor to talk about the things that you can't, the things that you can change, because it is true. Like if you're saying those things around like little kids, or you're saying those things around really anyone it's going to be viewed as like, oh, these are the types of people that we make these jokes around and they're going to associate like a certain body type with like the funny person, right? Because we see that in film too, right? Like all of the funny characters usually are the fat, the fat women. So it's like Mm -hmm. unlearning that and understanding like there can be humor to cope with things that you can't change, but being aware of like how you're using humor to talk about yourself and your body is definitely, you know, there's, 
there's a line that can be crossed. So it's mm-hmm. figuring out how to, you know, exist in that healthy space. Yeah. But I think it is a really helpful thing, as you were saying, like use it because mm-hmm. it kind of is like an, a really easy way of trying to signal to people, like, I do want to talk about this thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that if you have people in your life that you you want to share something with, but you're feeling really vulnerable about it or you're really scared to be honest about how something's making you feel, I think that it absolutely has its place because it does, you know, take the edge off a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, I think, like, don't be afraid to use it because at first, when I first started making, like, dark jokes about my mum on the podcast or mm-hmm. on our Instagram and TikTok videos and stuff. I get people who said like, well, my mum passed away and it's really sad and I can't believe you'd be so disrespectful. Mm-hmm. And I was like, but I can't, this, this is just me. Like I'm unfiltered. Like that's just who mm-hmm. I am. Mm-hmm. And it was a way that like, I know my mum better than anybody. And mm-hmm. I know that she wouldn't be offended by that. And if that's the way that I'm going to kind of keep her memory alive and make myself feel better and be able to talk about it. I actually think it breaks a lot of stigma around talking mm-hmm. about grief and mm-hmm. talking about people that have passed away rather than being like, well, they've passed away and we don't talk about it. Yeah. Um, it's probably a, a more powerful way of actually going about things that you've been through. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a difference in like, you aren't going around like making jokes about other people's parents who are dead. Like you're exactly solely yeah. talking about your <laughs> own experience. So it's like, there would a, be a whole different conversation. Exactly. It's like, that is, there's two very different scenarios there. And I think yeah. that the, you know, the comment of like, I can't believe you would say that it's like, well, you also have to remember that everyone copes differently and sure. that's, you know, like the way that you do it isn't wrong and the way that someone else does it isn't wrong. So by someone mm-hmm. telling you like, Hey, you laughing about this is actually the wrong way to cope. It's like very, it's kind of a selfish thing to say to someone because absolutely that is what makes it easier for you to cope with that experience for yourself. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. not hundred percent. So going into that, then your book, you are a new author. You are, I mean, add to the list, like <laughs> podcast host, you are a surfer. You're a water girl. You are <laughs> stand-up paddleboarder. A water girl. You are <laughs> an author. And I, I want to hear all about the book. I think that the things that we've talked about, I feel like come up in your book. You shared that. Um, before we started recording, you shared that there is a section in your book where you touch on like body image and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure um, that you're also kind of using humor and comedy throughout your book to talk about all of these lies. So if those of you that are listening that don't know, Tony's book is called I Don't Need Therapy and All the Other Lies I've Told Myself. And I think that, you know, what we've talked about today kind of touches and what the book is about, but do you mind just giving us like, well, one, the motivation behind the book, like, what was it that made you decide you want to write the book? So let's start there before I get too ahead of myself. (laughs) (laughs) Um, well, I guess because I do share this like funny, easygoing, chill side of myself in the podcast, um, I felt like 
I wanted to do, well, give myself the challenge, but also do myself the service of showing that there are kind of more sides to me and that mm-hmm. there is like, there's obviously a lot about dealing with with grief because I, I talk a lot about my mum passing away. I talk um, about just lots of things that have happened to me and I think I really wanted to flex the muscle of showing that there is more to me than just like that, you know, that quick wit or, you know, that funny side. That stuff is in there as well. But basically the structure of the book is, um, so I don't need therapy and other lies I've told myself. So it's like a collection of essays. It's not like a one long book. Um, Mm -hmm. There's lots of different little essays and all of them is based on a lie. So um, there is three chapters, like three sections that are all based on me saying I don't need therapy and it's kind of my journey through like my mental health struggles mm-hmm. um, and eventually realising I absolutely did need therapy and went mm-hmm. to therapy and everything was great after that. Um, but then there's also a chapter called um, I'll Do That When I'm Thinner where I talk about how for my whole life I was like, oh, I'll do that when I'm a bit thinner or or um, that'll be easier when I'm thin or, oh, I can't do that till I'm thin or, you know, and really I put my life on hold for all of these things that I was like, that'll be easier when I'm thinner. And I looked back through all these checklists I had like in my iPhone notes and things and I was like, oh, my God, I've done all these things being fat. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it actually had no impact on what I wanted. The only thing holding me back was me deciding that I could or couldn't do something. Mm-hmm. And um, so there's kind of, yeah, a chapter about feeling like that was what was holding me back, but it actually wasn't. And it was really nice. And I think this goes back to chubby little Tony and saying like, I actually did all of those things that I wanted to do, even though I wasn't who I thought I needed to be to get it done. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um and and then there are, you know, stories about me shitting myself in the street and stuff, you know. So just to, you know, round it out and yeah. make myself, you know, very accessible. <laughs> I think you shared a story on the podcast, so that you shit yourself in your in your new car. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, so that, that must be like a theme there, for but... you. Yeah. So it is a theme. Yeah. So it's <laughs> happened more than once. Yeah. <laughs> I think that, I mean, we all have, um, but <laughs> yes, I definitely can think of a situation where I did, I didn't tell anyone. I just like ran home and was like, oh no, actually talking about this, I can remember a specific situation in high school where, and I have never told any this, I have literally never told anyone this story. Oh my God. Yeah. So you are getting this like fresh, like no one has <laughs> ever heard this exclusive. Um, like I truly have not told anyone this, this is so funny. So yes, I was at a friend's house in high school and, and she was having like a bonfire and yeah. I literally shit my pants and <laughs> And no one knew, no one knew. I went to the bathroom and it was, I remember specifically, it was like a half bath. It was just a sink and a toilet. It was like right in the entryway of the house. And I went in there and I was like, you're like, what am I going to do? Like, how do I deal with this? Literally, what am I going to do? And I wrapped my underwear in toilet paper, like almost a whole roll of toilet paper. (laughs) I (laughs) <laughs> the entire thing in toilet paper and put it in the trash can. 
And then, and then, did you go? Oh, my mum has to come pick me up no, because I just my went right back died. Nope, I went right. Nope, I went right back out to the party. <gasps> yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. I did anyone ever say anything? Were they like, no. "Carl's been gone for quite some time"? Or? No, no one said anything. Like, no one said anything. No one. Like, I'm even thinking like her mom never like asked. So I'm like, did no one ever find it? But also, did you just never smell it? Like, I don't know. I don't know how it ended up working the way that it did, but it did. And now who knows? Maybe she listens to the podcast and (laughs) she's like, wait a second. I remember that time in eighth grade when my mom mentioned that there was someone's shitty underwear in the, in the trash can. There was just a lump of poo and toilet paper in the, in the bin, in the front toilet. Yes. Oh yeah. my God. That is so funny. Well, see, I feel like shitting yourself really brings people together. 100%. As a society, there would be no wars if everybody just shared a shitting themselves story. Exactly. And it's like, come on, you all, it's normal. Like, there's situations you can't control it. You hold it for too long. You're mm-hmm. drunk. You took a, you know, like, like there's so many different situations in which this could yep. happen. And, um, it's so funny cause I, I haven't thought about that and I probably blocked it out and probably <laughs> like, you're like mentally, I can't think about this ever again. <laughs> yeah. I had some very trauma, like my, my pants ripped at a bonfire before I was on a trampoline jumping and like doing the splits and they just ripped all the way from front to back. Um, so high school well, probably wasn't the same to... night after you'd already taken your underwear off. <laughs> <laughs> Just full crotch shot up in the air in the splits. <laughs> no, thank God it was not the same night. It was a different friend's house. So, um, you know, people stopped inviting me at some point. Yeah, you're like, oh, how come I haven't been invited to another bonfire? Yeah, they're like, like, she shits herself. (laughs) Her pants are ripping. She's like flashing everyone on the trampoline. (laughs) Um, Anyways, not to take away from the conversation you're having on the book, I was just like, wait a second, I also have a shit my pants story. So I had to share it. (laughs) No, no, I love it. Well, there's three of mine in uh, in my book. If you if you'd like to listen, to read that, yes, yes. Um, but it was a it was a really great experience. Really different to what I normally do. I love mm-hmm. writing, though. I really enjoyed doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I'm really proud of it, to be honest. And I'm excited yeah. that so many people have reached out and said, "Oh, I I had." similar feelings about my body or I lost my mom or dad at a similar Mm. age or went through a similar like have a similar relationship with grief um and I think it was because it's so personal it was like letting someone read my diary yeah but then the fact that kind of people are going like oh I feel that way too I feel less alone and I was Mm -hmm. like no that makes me feel less alone because I've just written all this stuff and put it out there and the fact that people can relate to it whether it's by laughing or crying or making them think like I also had a few people reach out to me and say that oh I didn't realize I needed therapy and I do Mm -hmm. and I'm going because Mm -hmm. I've read this um and that's like all the difference I would hope that I could make so it's been really a great experience yeah Mm -hmm. definitely changing lives in so many ways um what was the hardest part about writing your book um I think there was a lot of stuff particularly about my mum that I'd probably never really 
thought about a bit like Mm -hmm. you shitting yourself you know you kind of block some stuff out right for self self Mm self-preservation um and it was so when I started writing it I didn't I didn't know that I was going to do like the lie chapters and stuff um and I started writing it and I was like I have not been honest with myself ever Mm-hmm. And that was really confronting. Mm-hmm. Um, actually sitting down and being like, wow, I I did put so much off because I hated my body or mm-hmm. I, I really do need to deal with my grief or, um, you know, that person probably didn't really like me or maybe I don't really like them and things like that. There was just so much confronting stuff that came up that I was like, wow, I've really done myself a disservice by pretending I like this person or this thing or that this doesn't phase me or whatever. And I think I learned so much about myself while I was writing it, which was the biggest payoff, like the best payoff, but also the hardest thing to actually sit down and be like, oh, my God, all of this stuff is within me and I'm ignoring it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's such an important reminder for listeners that like, allowing yourself the space to actually start confronting these Mm -hmm. things that you have buried or kind of like blacked out or forgotten about over the course of your life can be truly one of the most therapeutic things that you do for yourself. And while it may feel really scary and really, really hard at first, and you're Mm -hmm. like, what do I do with all of this? There's so many emotions that are coming up, like understanding that that is healing. Like that is part of the healing process and you can't heal from things unless you acknowledge them. And I saw this quote one time that I always share and say to myself and also share with my clients, but, um, it's, it goes like, um, suppressing your emotions increases suffering. And that's something that I remind myself of a lot is like, while this may feel really easy to kind of bury right now, I know that in the future, this is going to affect me negatively in some way. Mm -hmm. So allowing myself, whether that's through therapy, like with a therapist saying like, this is something I haven't talked about in 12 years, like help me talk about this, help me cope with this. Um, I mean, I recommend doing it in a space like that because you don't necessarily know how you're going to react to it. And I think that there, that can be a little bit risky, but I think like just allowing yourself the space to acknowledge those things is really brave. Mm -hmm. And honestly, like one of the strongest things that we can do for ourselves. Mm. And I think the fact that the vehicle mine ended up being in was a book Mm-hmm. Um, when I first started writing it, I was like, oh my God, what if it doesn't sell? Or what if people don't like it or whatever? Mm-hmm. And then when I got to the end of it and probably since it's come out, it's actually been like, you know what, if people don't like it, I don't really care because it's done so much for me personally. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a really weird thing to kind of, cause Again, the self-deprecating humor, right? I go, oh my God, like, oh, it's just shit. Who cares? And then in the end, I was like, you know what? I'm really proud of it personally for me. And so if people don't get what I think they will out of it, and luckily they have, but, you know, if people don't get that out of it, I got so much out of it. So it's been a great experience for me. And 
as you mentioned, like it is such a great thing. It's so therapeutic and um, yeah, I just, I can't recommend it more to actually sit down and be honest with yourself and think about all of those things that maybe, yeah, you're burying or whatever, because it's like mm-hmm. short-term pain, long-term gain. I yeah. know that the day that you bury it feels like you go, oh, I'll deal with that later, but it's like compounding mm-hmm. um, trauma of going, oh, if I leave that, it, I it seeps into other things in your life. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you have the mental capacity and a safe space to try and deal with it at the time, it just you will just feel so much freer. Mm-hmm, definitely. And I think that's why journaling and writing is one of the most like recommended forms of coping mm-hmm. by like all therapists, because yep. whether you're writing a book or you're just sitting on your computer, opening a pages document where you're just typing what you're feeling yep. and allowing yourself to feel those things, there's going to be like, or even talking into your phone. I yep. I do that a lot because I'm like, I don't want to type. I just kind of want to, talk and say what I'm feeling and get it Mm -hmm. out. And so I, you know, for anyone listening, like if you haven't tried writing or just like speaking into your phone or, or just getting out those feelings and emotions, Mm -hmm. I definitely recommend it. Tony is living proof that like writing it down and processing it does actually end up causing so much benefit and like so much growth. And, um, I think that understanding that while it's really scary to acknowledge those things, there is so much, there's so much strength in doing that. There's so much strength that each of us have by just being able to say like, this is something I went through Mm -hmm. and I want to work through it, even if it feels fucking hard. (laughs) Yeah. And something that I, um, recently started doing because when I finished writing the book, I was like, oh, I, I'm. I really enjoyed that outlet and now I don't have a deadline so I don't feel like I have to do it, mm-hmm. um, which is another thing. It's just like starting that habit, right? Like getting into the habit of doing it before bed or when you wake up or whatever. Um, this sounds like a really dumb suggestion, but on Pinterest there is like heaps and heaps of journaling prompts. Like, mm-hmm. um, And even if you just Google it or whatever or on Instagram there's probably a million, there are so many things where there's like, 10 prompts and even if you write one word as an answer and you just kind of build up like if you're not a natural writer or Mm -hmm. natural responder whether it's yeah speaking into your phone and doing a voice memo or writing it down or painting or whatever I find that sometimes those prompts actually really kind of get you thinking and then um because not everybody is able to just sit down and write a page there's Mm -hmm. days where I definitely couldn't do that so that's been a really good exercise for me because I'm like oh I don't really have to think about it but I can just respond Mm -hmm. Mm. yeah I love that I love that and you could ask all my clients but I'm always sending them like worksheets I'm like that therapist that gives homework homework Because I just like fully believe in like the power of doing the work outside of therapy. And I think Mm -hmm. that like sharing a journal prompt or sharing like a worksheet that someone can do halfway, like they don't even need to do the whole thing. Um, I'm, it's always funny because I always tell my clients that first session, I'm like, I'm going to give you homework. Like I'm going to share, I'm going to share worksheets (laughs) and I'm going to like, give you resources because I think that the work done outside of therapy is just as important. Plus 
it feels empowering, like knowing that you're making that decision to do the work outside of just your one hour therapy session. Yep. You're like, okay, I'm actually like taking this seriously and I'm prioritizing Mm -hmm. this and I'm doing this, this work outside of, outside of therapy. And that's a good feeling too. Yep. And recognizing as well that you actually have everything that you need inside of you. Mm-hmm. like is is like a really amazing feeling like when you sit down to do those things and you go I actually am capable of of thinking in this way it's just like rewiring your brain to like think a bit more critically or less critically mm-hmm. or whatever the case may be too definitely 100 percent well Tony thank you so much for being here I was going to ask you for one piece of advice to wrap up the episode but you just shared this really great tool using Pinterest and finding journal prompts and I think that that's a beautiful way to wrap things up um but before we head out do you mind just sharing with listeners where they can find you Absolutely. Um, so my Instagram is at Tony Lodge. Uh, my TikTok is at Tony.lodge. Um, my book is called I Don't Need Therapy and Otherwise I've Told Myself, which um, for anybody like internationally, you can order it, I think, off Amazon and Book Depository. Mm-hmm. Um, and my podcast is called Tony and Ryan, and that's on Spotify. Um, so you can find me anywhere. Just Google me. You'll find me. Yes. Yes. And I'll put everything in the show notes so that it's easy for listeners to find it. Um, but Tony, again, thank you so much for being here. I've really had such an amazing time talking to you and laughing with you and sharing this shit story for the first time publicly. Yeah. See, we and just became best friends. Yeah. We just no became one best sh- friends. No one shares that with people that they don't like. So I'm actually honored, if anything. I was just about Um, to say, you should be, you should feel honored because you're the only person who, well, now like hundreds of people will know of the story, but you were the first one to hear it firsthand from 13 years in the hatchet that has never come out. Um, and I think that is a pretty great representation of you as well, because you made me feel safe enough to share the story with you. So well, if the podcast doesn't work out, maybe I'll become a therapist. You should 100%. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> um, you'd be a great therapist. <laughs> well, thank you so much for having me. And also um, for figuring out and sticking with me about the time zones. I know yeah. it was a bit of a, it was a bit of a rigmarole trying to figure out like, okay, so if you're 10 hours behind and I'm over, like, it was like, you know, that meme of um, Julia Roberts with all the maths around her head. That was us trying to figure out the time zone. So Literally. I'm very proud of us. I think we yes. deserve a round of applause. Round of applause. <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> Listeners, like it took us, I'm not kidding. We were messaging back and forth on Instagram and then we're like, wait, but it's daylight savings when we do it. So then like, is it? 12 hours or now 13. I literally need therapy just from dealing with that. Like that was so stressful. And then my, my partner's like sitting next to me. He's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm just trying to figure out if I have Tony on the podcast on Friday at 5 30 PM, what What time time that that is for her. Okay. It's the next day. It's Saturday for her at this time. So I ended up just typing into Google 5 30 PM on Friday. What time is that in, in Melbourne? A, I think it's like a EST. Is that your time oh, zone or something? I think so. Something like that, but, um, we yeah. got there in the end we got there. and, and you just heard up- the result of it. It was worth it. Exactly. It was worth it. We showed up right on time. There was no issues. So I'm incredibly proud of ourselves. Um, I am too. I am too. 
But anyways, Tony, thank you again for being here. Um, listeners, please feel free, leave a rating or a review. It is extremely helpful. Um, and we'll see you in the next episode. Thanks for having me. Bye. Bye.